How are you this morning? It's a little dark in here. You can't quite see if you fall asleep this morning, so we'll see what happens. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. It's on page 760 if you're using one of our Bibles. Feel free to get up and grab one from around the room if you don't have a Bible. Um, 760 if you're using one of those. One quick thing as you guys are turning to Acts chapter 3. Um, in your seat, there are, or in every other seat, every three or four seats, there are, is a card, and on it it says Ethos Stories. And if you don't know about this, Andrew mentioned this last Sunday. One of the things that we do every year as a church family is we try to collectively share what God has done kind of in our church, not just in our church here at Marathon, but across the, the bigger church family that we are a part of. And, and so in that, it has stories of, of the ways that your money went to work, both locally and globally, to advance the kingdom. And so what is so inspiring is that we get to see what God's doing in our life, and sometimes we get to see what God is doing in our campus, but there's something amazing when we get to, to, to span out and, and to see what God is doing across the bigger movement. So I invite you, if you haven't had a chance to do that, it's on our website, ethoschurch.org, ethosstories. Love for you to, to go and check that out. Uh, my sister Nana, one of our pastors on staff here, is going to be reading and praying for us this morning. If I could find the mic. Do you have the mic? Andrew has it. Hey, Andrew, can we get that mic? Quit being so friendly. Quit talking to people. Just kidding. No, you're good. Um, so this is, let's give it up for Nana. Welcome, Nana. The spotlight, Nana. The, we've never had a spotlight. The well, Lord is here is and his favor is on Nana. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to start in Acts 3, starting in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And then he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, I'm just humbled even at the scripture. God, how you just see what we need. You just look straight at us. You don't avert your eyes to our poverty or our need. You don't like turn your eyes, you don't turn your face from our struggles or for the places that we feel like we're lacking or the places that you feel like we feel you haven't come, God. You look straight at us and you speak healing and life and truth so that we can praise you and so that we can glorify you, God, and just help us in our unbelief, God, where we feel like you won't come or you won't heal, God. I just declare in the name of Jesus that the things we read in scripture are true, that you do desire to bring healing to our church individually and collectively, God, and may our hearts just be softened this morning as we hear um, this, not that it would fall on deaf ears that we forget, but that we know that you are a true and living God that desires to bring healing um, to our lives, God, and so we just bless you. I bless each person in here with every healing that you have. We all need, we all need healing from something, God, whatever 
whatever healing you have for each person, will you make it so clear? Um, and even if we don't know what to ask for, God, you know, you know what to give. So we just ask for your spirit and we ask for your presence, God. And so we bless you, bless this time, bless this rain that is just so um, symbolic of you. And I just pray that your spirit would be outpoured in the same way that it's pouring right now. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nana. What's the most amazing thing that you've seen God do in your life? Think about that for a minute. I wish we had time for everyone to stand up and go around the room because I think our jaws would hit the floor. Like, For some of you, the most amazing thing that you've seen God do is God answered a prayer. It was a, a deep cry of your heart and, and, and God saw it and God answered and God came through. For some of you, you were seeking wisdom on a decision. You were seeking clarity about a career path or about a relationship. And, and, and it was this moment where, where you realized that God of the universe, he heard you and he saw you and he took delight in you. And some of you come here this morning, you go, the most amazing thing I've seen God do is answer a prayer. And that's amazing. Some of you come here this morning and the most amazing thing that you've seen God do is change someone in your families, just complete trajectory of their life. Maybe it was your dad, maybe it was your sibling, maybe it was even one of your best friends and they were just rebelling so hard against God and you saw just the supernatural kindness and love of God get a hold of their heart and the person that they were is no longer the person that they are because God, you go, the most amazing thing I've seen is God transform the heart of someone that I love. Or maybe it's physical healing. Maybe you've experienced radical supernatural healing from the most high God. Or maybe the healing passed through your hands. Or maybe you were witness of, of something that is unexplained. And we go, the most amazing thing I've seen is God be, de defy the, the, the reasoning in our minds and the, the ways that we live. And I saw supernatural healing. Or maybe the, the most amazing thing that you've seen God do is that God has restored a relationship. Maybe it was with a friend. Or maybe it was a family member. Or maybe it was your marriage that was on the rocks. Or maybe it was one of your children and God just came through in a huge way and restored what was lost, restored what was broken. And you come here this morning and, and, and we come here with all these different things that we've seen God do. And what if I told you that the better days of Jesus Christ working in your life and through your life are not behind us, but in front of us? What if I told you that God wanted to do more, show you more, work through you more, that what you've seen up until this point in your life is only an appetizer compared to the feast that God wants to put in front of you? Would you want it? How do we get it? How do we live into this? I believe the answer is in this story. The answer to all your questions are in the story. I doubt that, but that answer is in the story. Let's jump in. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This guy, it hit me this week as I was reading through this text, just asking God, I'm always just asking God, hey God, show me. I can't teach this without you. It's dry, it's, it's lifeless if you don't come through. Give me insight, give me revelation into this text. Speak to me, speak through me. And God was just reminding me, hey, this man, um, Jesus was on earth. Jesus' ministry was active when this man was alive. And yet he wasn't healed. This was the same temple 
in Acts chapter three that Jesus went to. Think about this. In John chapter two, verse 13, it says that when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. Or John chapter seven, it says, verse 14, halfway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple courts. Or, or Matthew chapter 24, that Jesus left the temple, 24 verse one. And what God was, was showing me this week is that this man had been put at the temple, the same temple that Jesus had visited in Jerusalem. In Jesus' day, there weren't a bunch of temples like the way that we have churches everywhere. There was one temple. And where was that temple? It was Jerusalem. The same temple that Jesus had visited. Now get this. If this man had been put there every single day, it is so very likely that Jesus had crossed paths with this guy. And the question I was wrestling with this week was why didn't Jesus heal him? The end of the book of John, John, one of the apostles of Jesus, the very last verse in his gospel, it says this, that, that Jesus did many other things that I didn't even have time to begin to mention. And I suppose that if everything that Jesus did was written down, this world couldn't contain the amount of books that would hold. And yet, Jesus didn't heal this man. And I wonder why. It's confusing. You're at this temple, Jesus. You saw this man. Why didn't you heal him? And although it's confusing, I find it unbelievably comforting. You're like, what kind of a sick man are you? The reason it's comforting is because so many people that I love, so many people that I know, this is their story. People who live with chronic pain, people who are in need of healing, who keep putting themselves at the metaphorical temple in the, in the past, in the place where Jesus is, and yet they haven't experienced healing. And although it's confusing, it is so comforting because I go, that's what I see right now. A couple years ago, I remember I go back to the, the cannery at five o'clock at night and, and go to prayer gathering every Sunday night. And there was this guy that was there that, that I was talking to. And, and I realized that he has this condition that his body just grows tumors inside of him all throughout his life, just grows tumors. And, and he told me, he said, one time this happened and it happened right behind my left ear. And, and because that happened, I lost all hearing in my left ear. And I'm like, man, can we pray for that? Like, if, if you ever want to pray for that, like, we, we believe that Jesus heals. We believe that he's the same. And, and so come up to prayer gathering. We'll pray for that anytime you want. And so I was amazed. I go up to prayer gathering, and this guy and his wife walk up. And I'm like, God, there's faith in this guy. There's, there's faith. He trusts that you can do something. And so we get there, and we gather around him. I mean, there are some, some real prayers in that group. People who love the Lord, people who have deep faith. And for an hour, we, we did everything we knew how to do. We prayed for him. We touched his ear. We spit on our fingers, put it in his ear. Not really, but we did everything else besides that. And, and we were praying. Jesus did that, right? Like we were praying for, maybe that's what we should have done. Dang it. We missed an opportunity. We prayed for him for an hour and healing didn't come. It's confusing yet comforting because so many of us, we live in this, this state, we have this condition, we need healing. The Lord led me, he reminded me of the story in Mark chapter two of this man who was paralyzed 
from birth. And it says that his four friends, they heard that Jesus was in town. And so they carried this man on a mat because they heard that Jesus was near. And so they, they show up to this house and they can't get into the house and because so many people are there. And so they go, we're going we're gonna to get to Jesus. Like nothing's going to keep us from getting to him. So they walk up on the roof and they start tearing a hole in the roof and they lower this man in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now here's what's crazy. Had the Pharisees and the teachers of the law not been there, it doesn't seem, it doesn't appear that Jesus was even gonna hear him, heal him physically. And we're in this chapter, we're in this part of the story in Acts as we've been journeying through the beginning of the church and we come to this obvious, hey, let's talk about physical healing and yet what God was reminding me is that, is that Christ wants our hearts and our souls more than he wants anything else in this life. That Christ Jesus lived and continues to live with the eternal perspective. You see, if, if Jesus shows up and he heals a broken body on earth, but he doesn't address and he, and he doesn't change the brokenness inside of us, he is putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. It is inevitable. We will all die. And we all know this. Right For Christ to heal our back pain or for Christ to heal our, our, our hearing or to restore uh, the, the things that are broken inside of us, all those things are temporary. But for Christ not to deal with our souls, it has eternal implications. You see, Christ does address the physical. It's undeniable. You can't read through the Gospels and, and, and say that with any sense of dignity. Christ cares so much about the physical suffering. He just does. But we also see in Jesus' ministry that he's more than a philanthropist and he's more than a humanitarian. He's the savior, the one that our souls need. Our souls need to be set free. Our, our souls need to be secured for eternity. We see in Jesus this desire to liberate a captive heart. I go, how many of you have a captive heart right now? We see in Jesus this desire to, to cleanse a polluted mind. How many of you, you go, man, that is exactly the way that I would describe what's going on right now. How many of you would resonate with this, that Christ has come to forgive a sin-soaked soul? How many of you go, that is me. My path is painted with so much sin. And what you have to understand about Jesus is that while he does care about the physical, he cares so much more about the, 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 the eternal. He wants our hearts. We had a healing service at Marathon a couple years ago. I remember praying with a guy right over here and he came to me and, and he said, during the response time, he said, I, I, in tears, I, I thought I came here today seeking physical healing. But what I realized is that there's so much resentment and so much bitterness and pain in my heart and it's kept me from God. And he said, I wanna give that to God I want to get rid of that. I want, the, I want the inner peace. It's not just about the external, the outward things that are going on in my life. There's something so much deeper going on in my heart that I want to be put back together. And I share all this because I want you to, to, to see this, that just because this man hadn't, hadn't been healed by Jesus yet, it didn't mean that Jesus wasn't going to heal him. And some of you need to hear that today because you keep putting yourself in the path, 
you keep pleading, you keep putting yourself in the metaphorical temple where you know that Christ is and you haven't experienced healing yet. And just because Jesus hasn't healed you yet, it doesn't mean he's not gonna heal you. It doesn't mean he's passed over you. It doesn't mean he said no. No, Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is alive. His healing ministry is more powerful, more potent, stronger than ever. And if you're like the man laying by the temple in need of physical healing, but it hasn't come yet, I hope that if anything you learn from Acts chapter three, it doesn't mean he said no. Keeps writing, Luke keeps writing. Second part of verse two says, he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. And so there's this lame man from birth and every day his friend's carrying into the temple because he, they can't heal him, they can't fix him. And so they've, beyond, they've, 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 they've kind of come to this place where they realize all we can do is, is put you by the temple and, and hope that people are kind enough to, to give to you. And he's begging for money. And, and the question I was wrestling with this week is why wasn't he asking for healing? You know, maybe he didn't know physical healing was possible. Maybe he'd never heard the stories about who God. Maybe he spent his whole life right outside the temple and he never knew the potential of God. Maybe he didn't feel worthy like he deserved it. Maybe he knew the decisions that he made and the choices that he had made. And maybe he, he, he came to this point where he thought, man, the, the reason I am this way is because of my own choices. That, that it's crazy how we can tell ourselves that, right? Maybe he didn't feel worthy of healing or maybe people had tried to heal him but had no success. Maybe he lost hope. Maybe he'd been close to Jesus. Maybe he'd even seen Jesus walking to the temple and yet he didn't get healed. Maybe he felt overlooked, felt like he didn't matter. And I go, I wonder how many of us have settled for showing up on Sunday and begging for something small, begging for something we need, but not the thing that we really need. How many of us, man, we, we, we come to God and, and we ask for, for things. We ask for protection from the enemy. We ask for, for wisdom. We ask for provision. And it's not that we don't need those things, just like this man needed money. But, but he wasn't asking for the thing that he really needed. I go, how many of us, is that true for us? That we're content sitting right outside the presence of God because we're not comfortable coming to God in faith and saying, God, would you give me what I need? Keeps going to verse four. Peter looked straight at him. I love that. What dignity, what honor, just by looking him in the eyes. He looked straight at him. So did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And I love, Peter just gave what he had. And what did Peter have? He didn't just have a bunch of memories of Jesus. And he didn't just have a message about Jesus. He had the spirit of Jesus in him. He had the power of Jesus in him. He had the, the love of Jesus. He had the same spirit that was in Christ, was dwelling in him. And, and I go, did Peter have something that we don't have? 
Emily's saying no, I agree. He had three years of living life with Jesus and none of us had that unless you are 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years old. And if that's the case, you look really good. Peter maybe had something different, but, 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 but I think it's, it, it's different than you might think. If Peter had anything that we don't have, I think it's different. The only thing that I believe that Peter had different than what we have is faith. It says this in verse 16. Chapter three, verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And I've been asking this week, God, what are you showing us? Like, how do we apply this? Our church family, this is amazing. And, and, and some of us really believe, some of us have benefited, some of us have been a part of, of healing. But, but what, is, what, what are you trying to, to work into our hearts? What is it you're asking for us? And, and I felt like over and over again, what he just kept saying is faith. That this is not a formula and it's not a framework. It's about faith. I want to make it a formula. <laughs> right? I, I, I want to go, okay, the way we apply Acts chapter 3 is every time we see someone in physical need, all we have to do is to say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, be healed. But have you ever done that and healing hasn't come? It's not a formula. It's about faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing that Jesus is with you, that his spirit lives inside of you, and that he wants to keep carrying on his ministry for you and through you. Do you hear that? Faith is believing that the spirit of the living God dwells in you and that what God desires to do is to keep carrying his ministry for you and through your life. What do you mean for you, Brandon? Christ wants nothing more. He has set his affection on you. You're not created by accident. You are not here by accident. That the reason you're created is because God wants to love you and save you. He wants to free you from every chain that is holding you down and forgive you of every sin. He wants you to believe deep in your being that Christ did come, that he did die, that he rose again, that he ascended to heaven, that he is coming back again. He wants nothing more than to save you and to set you free in every way for you to experience the fullness of the life of Jesus in this life. But he doesn't just want to do this for you. He wants to do it through you. What I love about Peter and John is they didn't just go to the temple that day to get their cups filled. Right, so often we come here and we're just thinking about ourselves, thinking about our needs, God pour into me. And I love that Peter and John, like that, that most certainly happens. That's a benefit of being one of God's people. You come into God's presence and God just blesses you with his presence. But what I love about Peter and John is they came in willing to give what they had. They understood that, that this life that has been trusted within the spirit wasn't just meant for them, it was meant to go through them for the good of others. Listen to this in verse seven. He took him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Do you actually believe that? Man, it, it, this challenges our intellect. It challenges everything we know about reason. 
And that's exactly what faith in God does. It calls us to believe beyond what we can see, beyond what we can make sense of, to believe in a God that is bigger than us, that is beyond our comprehension, a God who can do what we can't, but who loves to do that through us. What is required of us for the better days of Jesus' ministry to flow through us? Faith. Faith. What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to believe in something? I was talking to one of my friends this week and you know, he, was, he was talking about his love for Patagonia, not the, the place, but the, the clothing. And, and he was telling me, he's like, man, I, I love, I believe the way that they, they source their products and I love the, the way that they just do their business. And he just went on and on. I'm like, how do you know so much about this, this, this brand? And, and what I realized is that, that he, ha- he believes in it, right? Because belief isn't just about words. It's not just about what we say. Like, you know that you actually believe in something because you support it and you agree with it, and you invest in it, and you talk about it. The way I know he believes in that company is because he buys their clothes, and he's talking about it. I go, man, what does life with God look like? What does life with God look like? What does a life that is marked by belief look like? It's a life that reflects. A life where, where we agree, where we invest in where we talk about it, I go, that's what it means to, to have faith in Jesus, to agree with the things that he has taught us, to invest in Jesus, to seek the face of Jesus, to love Jesus. Faith isn't just this wishful hoping, like I hope that there is a God in the sky. No, faith, it, it, it becomes clearer and clearer that there is a God, his name is Jesus, and he does love us dearly. You start to see Jesus. That he becomes closer. He becomes your everything. Faith fills you. Faith becomes this thing that, that marks your entirety of your life. You, you talk about Christ. You invest in Christ. You give all that you have for Christ. That is the picture of faith. Faith is not sitting, is showing up and saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, a life of faith is a life that is marked by it. That I look at David's life and I go, that's a man of faith. That's a man who believes. How do I know that? Because every part of his life is seeking the face of Christ. Verse eight through 10, he jumped to his feet. He walked. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's what's so beautiful about this story. Both the one that received healing and the one through whom healing came both gave glory and honor and praise to the only one that deserves it. So Peter in verse 12, he, he says to the crowd, because this man that everyone recognizes is, is, is not sitting lame anymore. He's walking and jumping and it's a spectacle and people are drawn to it. And they come to Peter and John, they're like, what are you doing? Like in verse 12, how, why do you think that by our own strength we did this? Only Jesus could do this. He directs the glory to the one that it's deserved. And so does the man who was healed. He doesn't go and start worshiping Peter and John. He's clinging to them. But who does it say that he's praising? He's praising God. And here's what I love. God worked for this man. But he did it in such a way that he could work through him 
to get the attention of the people who are around him. It's no coincidence that, that Peter healed this man right outside the temple. The temple that in many ways was, was filled with, with cold and, and lifeless religion. You're like, how can you say that, Brandon? Well, here's the reality that there's a Jewish temple. They didn't believe, they didn't trust, they didn't follow in Christ. It wasn't just enough to have the promises and to have the scriptures and it wasn't just enough to, to have memories. They needed Christ. And I go, do you see what, what, what God was doing? He, he brought this man's healing, but he did it in a way that would wake up people who were, who were cold and whose hearts were hard and people who resisted Christ. Do you see the kindness of God? Do you see the way that he's working through all this to get people's attention beyond just this man's healing? God knows how things work. And I wonder, maybe God is wanting to use your life and your healing in ways that are beyond your comprehension, in ways that, that serve more than just you. Will you trust in the goodness of God and in his heart in the waiting? None of us like to wait, right? Right? I hope that, that we always believe that God heals. I hope that when God looks at our heart, when he looks at our church, he sees a bunch of people who never quit asking, but beyond that, who never quit expecting. And when it doesn't come, when we want it, we don't stay in disappointment. We start asking the question, what does God have for me later that he's not giving me right now? What is God wanting to do through my life that is bigger than me, that is beyond me? And that is a different way of wrestling with the hard questions of, man, why am I not healed? My friend that we prayed over in prayer gathering, I remember he reached back out to me and he said, thank you so much for praying for me. I mean, I saw his text and I'm like, oh, God healed him. It just came later. It was delayed healing. He's like, God didn't heal me but I felt so unbelievably loved and cared for by my sisters and my brothers because you were willing to pray for me for an hour. You see, God is, is working in mysterious ways. Some of us come here this morning and the reality is that we are in need of God's healing on the outside and in a minute, we're gonna ask God for that. But some come here this morning and we're in need of God's healing on the inside. Verse 19, Peter says this, repent, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I go, you, you come here this morning and you go, I know that, that there's things on the inside that need to be healed, that there's something that is missing, there's something that's lacking, there's something that is broken that I can't seem to fix. And, and I love what Peter says. He says this refreshing will come go to a restaurant and, and someone comes by and refreshes your drink. What do they do? Your cup is empty and they fill it up. I go, is that, what, is that, is that the picture of your life right now? Where on the inside, you're just empty and you're going, God, I, I want that refreshment. I need to be filled up. Think about it. You have a long week at work. And you're tired, late nights, early mornings, and then Saturday rolls around, you get to sleep in and you wake up and you're like, 
that's what I needed. Or the first night that your kid sleeps through the night, you wake up and you're like, thank you. Or you're training for the, the, the marathon that's coming up here. I know there are a couple of you guys here in, in the room and, and, you, and you go for your long run and you come back and you drink that Gatorade and you take a nap and you wake up and you're refreshed. And I go, this is what he's offering to fill your cup. Don't settle for cold, lifeless religion when he wants to fill you up. We're gonna take communion here in just a minute. And we're going to have a time to respond to the Lord. Some of you come here today and you've been sleeping spiritually and Christ wants to wake you up. Some of you for the very first time. Think about this. Man, do you know that there's more to this life than what you're experiencing? Do you feel it? Do you see it? Do you recognize it? If Christ is not in your life, Christ wants to be. And he wants to wake you up and he wants to refresh you. And here in just a minute, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I beg you, give your life to Jesus. Nothing will satisfy you like Christ dwelling in your life. Nothing will satisfy you in this life like Christ will. Some of you have fallen asleep spiritually. You're followers of Jesus, but you're not living by faith. You're not pursuing relationship with Christ. You're not praising God with your lips or with your life. And and I love Peter's word. He just says, repent. Just come to God and say, I don't want to live like that anymore. Start agreeing with Jesus. Start investing in Jesus. Start talking about Jesus. It's so simple. Some of you are like that man that has resolved to come to church, but you're not asking for the thing that you really need. Deep down, you know you desire it, but you've resolved to believe that God can't or God won't do anything about it. And I don't exactly know what that is. For some of you, maybe it's physical healing. For some of you, maybe it's deliverance from an addiction or a struggle or even sin. Maybe it's sexual. Maybe you keep looking at things that you know you don't want to keep looking at. You keep lusting. Maybe you keep giving your body to someone that you're not in covenant relationship with in marriage between a husband and a wife. Some of you need to be delivered from from sexual bondage that that you keep trying to to get out of it, but there just seems to be this stronghold. And I believe that, that Christ wants to deliver you from it. To break those chains in your life, those patterns, that addiction. For some of you, maybe it's not sexual or physical, maybe it's psychological, that you just live with this gripping, this anxiety and depression. And I'm not a counselor and I'm not against counselors. I know lots of great things happen in there, but I wonder if there are things that, that God wants to free us from, but, but we've just kind of resolved, God doesn't touch that. That's not God's business. And I'm going, that is God's business. Maybe for some of you, it's emotional. And I don't know what it is, but, but if you come here, and I want to encourage you, don't sit right outside the temple asking for lesser things when there's something that you really need. Some of you come in this morning and you're walking by faith. You really are. You're letting the ministry of Jesus flow through your life. 
Give glory to God. This is Psalm chapter 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Don't dare steal his glory. Everything good that comes from your life and from our church is all because of him. We don't preach and boast of ourselves. We preach and we boast of Christ and him alone. So this morning, I want to invite us into a time of response. And so we can, we can keep doing the thing we always do. And some of that's exactly what we need to do. You just need to gather with, with people around. You need to break the bread, drink the cup because you are, you're in a good place. But, but I go, if, if you come in this morning and you need God to do that thing that nothing else can do for you, I invite you to come to the Respond Banner. It's going to be completely confidential. We're not going to share out loud the things that you share with us. There'll be some men and women in the back. We'd love to pray with you and for you. And I want to encourage us as, as we're taking communion, if you don't want to come to the back, but you feel comfortable sharing with somebody else and you need prayer, just pray. There's power in prayer. Christ moves in our prayers. Christ works through our faith. And as we leave this week, you know, what's so powerful about this story is I think it's just so true of, of our lives that there are so many people who are sitting right outside the temple, who are sitting right outside our doors. They just need one touch from Christ. And what we have the eyes to see, we have the ability to, to look people in the eyes and to ask God, God, what do you want to do? What do I need to do? What are you doing here? And maybe the healing will flow through our hands. And maybe salvation will come because we were courageous enough to share our faith. Or maybe they come to understand that they have value and worth because we're willing to invest in them and be their friend and to show them that they matter. I have no idea what God is going to do. I'm not in control. God is, and his spirit lives in you. Now think about how fun this must have been for Peter to lay, to lay down at, at bed that night. You know, he'd watched Jesus do all kinds of miracles. He had a front row seat at Jesus' ministry. But to go to bed that night and be like, I got to be a part of it. <laughs> like, it wasn't John. <laughs> you know, it wasn't Thomas. I got to be a part of this. And that's the invitation. Do we want in? Do we want in? Let's pray. God, thank you for these men and women. God, let faith grow and rise in us. Let us believe in you and know you. Let us believe in you for the impossible. God, protect us. The enemy is waging war. He has waged war. God, I pray that today you would set captives free. You would plunder all that the enemy has stolen and you would do it in a way that only you can receive glory. Thank you for these men and women. Give us courage to respond to you, Jesus. And we love you and we have faith in you and you alone. You alone conquered death. You alone are coming back for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.